Before we get started today, we have a sponsor, and that is the Hasty Rescue Strap. The Hasty Rescue Strap is a game-changing rapid intervention tool intended to quickly package a downed firefighter in a makeshift harness without the need to adjust the SCBA waist belt and provides fixed handles for dragging, lifting, or hoisting. It's available now for pre-order at www.hastyfireproducts.com. Welcome back, everybody. This is going to be episode number 33 of the Tip of the Spear Leadership Podcast. Today, I have Roger Steger with me. Roger, thank you for joining us, and uh, give everybody a quick introduction into who you are. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm uh, Roger Steger. I'm uh, currently a firefighter with Baltimore City. Signed uh, Engine 8 over on in, uh, West Baltimore. So I've been there for coming up on 18 years, so been 17, 18 years. So again, I promoted to lieutenant uh, here in the coming months, couple months, and but for the last about twelve years, I've held uh, one of our spots that's uh, kind of unique for us. We call it the first acting man. So it's a senior firefighter position within each company. So you're the senior firefighter on the shift, and uh, ideally, like when the officer's off, you're the first one to act up to fill in uh, as the officer. Uh, with promotions and everything, officers come and go throughout time. And uh, the, the act man historically in Baltimore stays a good while longer. So you, you really get to uh, hold that consistency. Uh, along with that, I've been fortunate for the last like 10 or 12 years to be part of a training company, Traditions Training, is, and get involved in the nationwide training circuit, going to FDIC helping out there as well as a lot of other conferences. All right. Well, what we're going to talk about today is going to be, uh, as you described, the way of the engine company. It's the title for today. And, and you know, the fire service in its most organic form, at the most basic, basic level is going to be uh, the engine, right? Laying out, pulling the line, putting water on the fire. That's the backbone of the fire service. And, you know, in its most basic form, um, that's where you learn to become a firefighter or uh, cut your teeth, as they say. Uh, you learn what the fire service is about. You learn the culture. You learn um, how to be a firefighter with your skill set. Uh, and, you know, that's that's where leadership starts. You, you learn your job. You build your foundation. And hopefully over time, you build yourself up. You move over to a truck or however your fire department does it. And you move on. However, whether you're a first actor, as you talked about, or a new lieutenant or a lieutenant with some time on, um, you're always going to fall back to those basics and the things you learned in, as a, as a uh, firefighter in, in your first year. Um, again, as I said, it's, it's the foundation. So let's talk about that. The way of the engine. Roger Steger, the floor is yours. Yeah. <laughs> uh. It's uh, created this lecture a few years ago, 
and really struggling things like so many people are out there or so many entities are like, well, if I have this nozzle or I have this hose or if I have this fire truck, I'm going to be a better firefighter. And young in your you might believe that. And there are definitely items or equipment that have pros and cons over others. Some perform better than others. And uh, we like those for those reasons. But it really comes down to is, is the human factor. It's the person, it's their experiences, it's their, their leadership, uh, relationship-wise. It's, it's that that really, truly makes that good company, that ex- excellent company. It doesn't matter. You can take a great leadership, a great company, with a mediocre equipment, they're still going to perform. But a mediocre or subpar company with great equipment isn't going to all of a sudden miraculously make them better. So I wanted to take this... Uh, this lecture that way. I wanted to put some of those ideas out there, some of the things I've been fortunate enough to be exposed to, to learn, and some of my mentors, as well as reading books, uh, seeing going through some other conferences or classes that aren't exactly fire department specific, leadership wise or learning. So that's, uh, I pulled a ton of mentors, friends throughout the country, uh, mostly fire service, but then some other uh, DOD type uh, individuals that have other appearances that still require high stress and leadership specific and time sensitive uh, decision making in order to see what, what overlays they have, what similarities and what we can learn from them and kind of put that together as consolidated the last 20 years of education for myself professionally into it. And how do you think that's, um, how do you feel that the translation into other fields where uh, high stress, time sensitive leadership, decision making, how do you think that's translated from, uh, you know, you, you talked about DOD and all those things. Talk about uh, how that parallels the fire service because i mean in reality it's kind of the same i mean department of defense i'm assuming they're going there's going to be you know situations where lives are at stake just like what the you know what the fire service is that uh as i think bresler says it the lethal environment talk about that a little bit yes uh, i think there's no doubt there, there's a lot of stuff from the military and agencies out there and i think some people in the fire service get too caught up in it like the the big military, the big uh, the paramilitary type stuff. So, yes, we're a paramilitary organization. We have a rank structure. But a lot of, and I've never served, but a ton of my friends have, listened to their stories, listen to their experiences. There's a drastic difference in the military between this unit and that unit, this company and that company, this battalion, officers enlisted, senior enlisted, whatnot. The fire service is a lot more. It's a small team. So it's more of those specialized entities. So I try to focus most of my stuff on any of those small groups that are a little bit maybe more special, but they live together. They spend more time together. They're, the line between the ranks or the tenure is a lot more grayed out than it is with the big basic military. Uh, so trying to get into some of those lessons where it might be great. <clears throat> certain books throughout time have been dynamite for nuggets or lessons and tips but when you're with the people the same people every day 
in and out, you're eating with them, you're sleeping with them. It, it brings a different mentality to the game. Uh, so you have to really create, figure out what makes the people tick, what makes them want to do what they want to do. So, and then try to gain that <clears throat> towards the common goal, towards the mission. Yeah, I mean, you know, and it's, I think it's also a matter of um, effort and execution. And uh, one of the things that you talk about, there's a quote from Aristotle. It says, excellence is never an accident. It's always the result of high, high inattention, sincere effort, intelligence, execution, intelligent execution, excuse me. Uh, it represents the wise choice of many alternatives. Choice, not chance, determines your destiny. Um, and, and I think that's all about attitudes. You know, I, I think it's all a matter of what you think you can do. And, and, you know, that's attitude and humility. What do you think? Uh, what do you think about attitude and humility? So like I, when I was uh, going through setting this up and researching all the topics and whatnot, I came across that quote. I thought it nailed pretty much what I was going after for the course of so many people on the outside. Like they'll see that, that sexy YouTube video or Instagram reel, or I guess now tech, TikTok. And they'll see the company doing that, <clears throat> running as fast as they can or doing whatnot and without flaw. So then they go out and they try to emulate it. They just try to mirror it and it goes drastically, horribly wrong. And that's when it comes in like, yeah, you saw the 30 seconds, but you didn't see the nine months of prep work, the drilling every day, the failures every day. So <clears throat> you just see the sexy part. Sure. When we all know, like, there's a lot of time and effort. Like, uh, somebody put it down to me that, uh, so for a professional football player spends uh, out of the 12 months of prep work in a year, <clears throat> there's only how many hours of game day? So 12 games, three hours a day, depending on your position, how often you're playing. So there's a whole lot more prep time that goes into a professional athlete than there does actual game time. And we should be the same way. Uh, too many times we've seen people, we all know, know there's people that they'll lay around on the couch and then when the gong goes off, the bell rings, station learning, whatever your case is, they get up, meander to the wagon, get on it, go, and they expect everything to just fall into place. And then maybe they get upset they, <clears throat> they don't get in the spot that they're supposed to get. They lose out on something. They get it. They find encounter a door they can't force their hose falls off into a pile and then they, they can't they flake it out they can't get it moved they, they end up with a knot in it and somebody else has to put out the fire because they're, they're inadequacies but instead of realizing it was them it's easier to point the finger at the company that showed up position where they needed a position stretch the appropriate hand line or through the appropriate ground ladders, force the door quicker, quicker uh, and made it in to, to do our job, to fulfill our mission. It's easier to point the fingers at them and go, well, they got to be the problem because they were quicker, they were faster. When is that really the problem or is it because you just spent the last 12 tricks, 12 shifts sitting on the couch eating ho-hos? <laughs> right. Yeah. And you know the other the other thing too that I mean you brought up a really good point about this the athlete and 
I think maybe I don't want to say miss, but I think sometimes people don't really, I guess, wrap their mind around is, you know, if you watch any videos of like, yeah, and you can find them on YouTube, but you you can find videos of you go and put like Orioles practice, right? Orioles first base uh, practice. You'll sit, you'll see the first base coach or a coach. I'm sorry, uh, with whoever the player is. And the entire time they're doing different drills, but every single time he's correcting them, he's guiding them, or he's fine tuning something. And these are professional athletes, right? When you pull up videos on YouTube of, you know, fires where, you know, everybody wants to watch them and yeah, they look cool and they're all fun and fine and dandy. And you, I mean, you kind of said so yourself, they only see a small snip in time, right? They don't see everything beforehand. They don't see everything during. And they also, what I feel like is, missed out on a lot and maybe a lot excuse me and maybe people don't think about it but like all the times that exact same scenario went wrong and and i'm sure you've been around long enough you've been in the fire department a lot longer than i have i mean there's a lot of times where you you do really really well but then there's times where you just don't you just flat out fail it just doesn't work you know everything that can go wrong will go wrong and i'm not saying that in a negative way what i'm saying is You know, when you watch these videos, depending on who the people are and where they are in their career, their life, the, the, where they are in the fire service and where they are, um, you know, with their skill set, you know, any of those guys that are really, really sharp at what they do, there's been days where they were not that sharp. Those videos don't really make it to the internet, I don't think. Uh, maybe they do. I don't know. I haven't really seen a whole lot. Um, but I do They're think making it to it uh, more now just with Citizen App. Yeah. Oh well, no, that's that's a good point. And then uh, the 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 ring camera, uh, yeah, oh yeah, things that you can pull, which I didn't realize <laughs> yeah. what that was. So you know, people are always watching. Um, so is the internet. Yes. The internet's always watching. But the point that I'm making is, uh, you know, when people and you brought it up, uh, pretty well about how uh, tools and equipment don't make you sharp. It's always going to be the uh, the human factor, uh, as you said earlier. You know, this is the same thing. You, you know those. Those football players and baseball players that are world champions and, and the best in their sport and the best in their position is because they just relentlessly beat on their craft, right? And this is no this is no different. You know, there's there's guys that, you know, whoever you look up to on the YouTube and the and the Facebook and the in, the Instagrams, there's hard work that goes through it. Like a prime example is where you work, um, Engine A Truck Ten. I mean, that's a pretty popular. In the social media world, that's a very popular um, firehouse, right? The whole job town thing, that whole mantra yep. that I can get into that, but that whole thing, right? Yep. <laughs> but those are guys that are going to work every day, working hard. And the, yeah, the videos and all that stuff looks really cool. Don't get me wrong. But you know as well as I do, there are days that don't go as good as that they do. You, you guys have your bad days just like everyone else. But it's all a matter in which it's all a matter in how you train and how you learn from those mistakes. And I think that's very something that or something that's very important to talk about here because I, I think people get drowned or sucked in too much into the modern day social media and not they don't get dragged in or they don't yeah, get tongue tied here. They don't pay enough attention <laughs> to the work behind the scenes that you don't see. Yeah, absolutely. The uh, that's when so the the failures are will concrete in your head a whole lot more, or at least they should concrete in your head a whole lot more than the successes usually do. And 
the, the best lessons are always learned from failures. So, and trying not to ever replicate those. Sometimes I remember being a young guy when the old guys trying to teach me something. I was like, oh, I think we can do it this way. And not realizing he's done it that way. It failed. That's why he's saying now do it this way. Sure. So tried to pass that on to the, the younger generation and the newer people, uh, anybody that we have, the guys that we're transferring in or getting assigned out of fire school is, and I talk about it, is just a, it's easy to sit at the kitchen table and, tell all the great fire stories, putting two, three, fours of fire out and rescuing the kid with your coat open, the ax in hand, like bull. But (laughs) (laughs) at some point you need to sit there and tell the not so sexy things. You need to tell, talk about the failures, this going wrong, that going wrong, how you overcame it, or you couldn't overcome it right then. But afterwards you came back and you drilled on and figured out how to overcome it. And as well as make sure you share the small details tails so a lot of us uh wear gopros now so that was a uh, we started with the helmet cams and everything and it was real cool with uh with seeing the fires afterwards with seeing the footage or whatnot and then i started looking at it and about the same time i had a friend that uh joined the navy and told me about how they videotape all of their jumps all their parachute jumps so that they can refine their technique i was like that that's a dynamite idea. Why aren't we doing it? <clears throat> so now usually on board, we have a, a couple of people usually have cameras on. So we go back, we look at it and it's cool to see, okay, yeah, this was on fire. We put it out or sub 14 engine, put it out, whoever the case is, things went good, but let's now dive into the video. What, what could we have done better? What, how did that go wrong? I still remember there was one day I stretched, uh, our, 250 foot flying off or the rear and it just didn't go right. I'm like, what the hell happened? Like I pulled this line many times. What, why didn't this work right this time? I went back and I watched my video and I just like, I missed one second of turning too soon or too late, whatever it was. And a fold got called in the wrong spot. That's all it was. I was like, okay, well, how can I refine? So this doesn't ever happen again. Okay. Hey, if I do these steps, and then I drill those steps in, it won't happen again. And fortunately it, it hasn't happened again. So, but yeah, it's uh, identifying yeah. those failures, talking about them. And sometimes it's not something that you can figure out. Uh, you need that 10,000 foot view or whatever, or that other set of eyes. And I'll send stuff to friends of mine. So, Hey, take a look at this and tell me what you think, or what would you have done better or different? So, we share a bunch of us share a, uh, a Dropbox, all our Dropbox links, so that you can go in and look at them. So, hey, <clears throat> throughout the city or throughout the country, somebody goes to a fire here, somebody goes to a fire there. Like, we're close enough friends. We, we know we're not going to publish other people's stuff, but we'll, sure. uh, we'll sit there and look at it for the learning aspect. So videos nowadays are too high quality to, to text message or to email. So you got to use a third party cloud. Yeah. Well, you're creating a network or yeah, uh, like a network to, uh, to learn from. And, you know, it's, you, and you said you brought up a really good point. It's a matter of how you recover and creating the environment where you can foster uh, constructive criticism. Um, there's people out there that do not take criticism very well 
And then there's people out there that I think that's a balancing act that take criticism too much to where they're like, you know, oh, no, uh, it's me again. And then they start losing confidence, <laughs> and that can create a problem all on its own as well. Yeah, being able to create a culture and uh, have mutual respect for the people that you work with and work around is necessary. It's, uh, I mean, the fire service is hard. It's, uh, we have probably one of the toughest firehouses, uh, just on the, all the mindsets and the, the attitudes around there. It's a lot of jokesters, a lot of pranksters, but, uh, also like at the same time, we'll give each other support when we need it. And so sure. we, we love to bust balls. We love to get on somebody, but at the same time, we know when, uh, they need support and, <clears throat> trying to specifically create a culture like you make a simple mistake you're gonna get uh you're gonna get joked on about it if it's a serious mistake then everybody's gonna pretty much work with you and uh try to figure out what happened why how we can get over that and support you and uh i know my shift specifically like we tried to have on my company in my shift uh, a culture where it's like hey if you made a mistake just just say so like let's let's learn from it and what it was instead of guessing like oh well what 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 happened what went wrong or whatever like hey I, i'd come in multiple times and hey I, I fucked up over here doing this and it's like oh okay so that's why it was hard getting hose at the pipe <laughs> like yeah i kind of fell down here and tripped and <laughs> so yeah <laughs> inadvertently did this or that and it's like oh okay and uh so years ago when i don't know i have my i've been through i think five lieutenants so far with from uh retirements and promotions since i got my the uh acting spot so the first lieutenant i had one day we had a commercial we had a high-rise bill high-rise apartment building and we had two different size lead off line or layouts so we had three inch or five inch Normal fires, three inch, five inch, you're supposed to put in the street for anything bigger, working fires, multiple alarms, things like that. Well, I messed up. Habit going too quickly, I just dropped a three inch in the street. I came up to him as soon as the fire was knocked, we're done mopping out. I was like, hey, Lou, I messed up. I put the wrong size. So if the chief says something, it's on me. I did it. And he was a 40 year guy and he took it very well. He's like, okay, well, don't let it happen again. And thanks for telling me. So, whereas if I would have, how many people do we know that would have just been like, oh, like try to find five different excuses on why that happened or whatnot, own it and move on, learn from there. Uh, so he, it became, it, it made our bond closer and our working relationship better by knowing that I'm going to be honest, by knowing that the guys next to you, girls next to you, above you, under you are going to be honest with you. Because, hey, if you got to put me on charge, if I messed up that bad, if I did the wrong thing that much, then you got to do it. You're the boss. But at the same time, I'm going to be honest. I'm not going to lie to you. And then you're going to find out what the actual reason was. Yeah. I, well, yeah. And then when you lie or you try to alter what happened to make yourself look better or you feel better about the situation, it just makes everything worse. You know, like. Yes. When I was younger, I would be like, oh, well, that, I, I didn't think about that. In my mind, I'm like, yeah, I thought about that, and I didn't do it because I, <laughs> I didn't do it. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm not going to make excuses. I mean, this is, you know, years yeah. and years ago. 
but you know what I'm I'm talking about. Like, it just well, the third moon of Saturn lined up with Pluto. Yeah, (laughs) this car was driving by and grabbed the hose out of my hands. I don't know why I came up short. No, I'm kidding. Um, But uh, but yeah, no, it's it's something that just if you just own it and you you're very straightforward about it, you're gonna create that environment where people know they can trust you because it. And in reality, and this is just my opinion, I would rather, and this is also from my experience, I would rather say, hey, I screwed up and just get get peppered with with uh, an angry officer than mm-hmm. lie about it. And then let's say he's like, oh, well, that, okay, that makes sense. And, you know, they're kind of like, all right, well, I mean, it's kind of out of your hands, but we're still going to work on it. No big deal. And then he finds out you lied. Well, there goes your trust at all. And now he's yep. just like, well, I don't trust Trust him. is gone. Trust is gone. And I don't know if you've ever had a scenario where you have, your actions have made people lose trust in you, but I have. I'm going to tell you right now, almost 16 years later, you can still tell there's a problem. Um, it sucks. It's not fun at all. And you know what? Unfortunately, I have to live with it because there are, those are my actions those, all those years ago. And that's been one of my biggest – one of, I think one of my, if not the biggest lesson I learned and that I, I still have to deal with now as an officer was um, the actions I made as a firefighter. So losing tr- people not trusting me as a firefighter because of my actions, I still deal with that as an officer. And that just solidifies how important trust is in life and in the yeah, fire It service. can follow you for a long time. It's, well, it's never going to go away. Someone's always going to remember everything you ever did. And that's the craziest <laughs> thing. You you know what I mean? Like I, I, and the people that know me very well, and I'm not going to get into it on here. I did something really dumb when I was young in my career. uh, (laughs) I think we all have. (laughs) Yeah. And it's still, and this has been, oh God, um, 13 years ago. And it's something that still follows me in my, and I'm at my 16th year in the department now. 16 years, I'm still hearing about this. People still make comments, and there's still uh, people that, I don't want to say hold it against me, but. They remember. They remember, and they still have those opinions. Like, you know, people change over time, right? That's something I've always Mm -hmm. believed, and I've always believed as an officer to give everyone a fair shot. And then as I come into different interactions with people, like let's say. I didn't get along with Dave 10 years ago, but today I'm working at Dave's firehouse. I'm on overtime. It's his station, right? I could walk in there with a shitty attitude knowing he's a dirtbag, or I could walk in with an open mind. Maybe he's changed, and that's happened to me. There's, there's mm-hmm. a person that I went to work with that I was like, oh, God, here we go. You know, like, I don't know how this is going to go. We did not get along a while ago and I walked in with an open mind and the stuff that we butted heads over, we both kind of made a joke and we both laughed our asses off and it ended up being really good. And then I see the person several times since then. And I don't want to say the situation's repaired, but I do feel like it's a good example of people change, but there's people out there that won't change. So that's why your actions how you treat people, the way you carry yourself, and the things that you do are incredibly important because they're going to stick around forever, regardless. You could do – you could – I don't know. 
get the highest decoration your department has, but then you do one thing two days later and that's all they will ever remember. And that's all they will ever bring up to you about or talk to you about, talk about you yeah. in regards to that as well. You know what I'm saying? You're right. Yeah. And Things stick with you for a lot longer and it's, and they, uh, yeah. <laughs> they seem to, not and they will always stick with you. you. You'll retire yes. and they'll still be talking about that thing. They'll still be talking. And you know, the funny thing about that too is, and this is something that I, th- I think needs to be said as well, and this ties in a lot, a lot into this. Think about somebody that was like in your department that was like an absolute rock star. Everybody knew that guy. They all wanted to be like <laughs> him. And he was like the cream of the crop, best firehouse, best shift, went to all the fires, put out a bunch of fires, did some really cool shit along the way, all that. He was just the bee's knees of everyone looked up to him. He was the rock star. And he retires. And then two years later, no one's talking. Not even two years later, no one talks about him. Right? It, it's just kind of the that's kind yeah. of the end. It's just it is what yeah. it is. So the point the yeah. point that I'm making is, you know, here in the moment is where you need to live and you need to remember the situations that you've experienced and remember that your actions will follow you. However, there is more to life than just work in the fire service. And I think once you have that clarity and you understand those things, it'll allow you to make better decisions uh, in the moment and then as a leader. So I want to pivot a little bit. Um, and this kind of brings me to my next point is you are in a very unique situation about uh, your department has first actors. Um, and that's when a firefighter can ride the seat and be the officer um, for the shift or I don't, I mean, I don't know if you guys do long-term or if you can, I don't know if there's a limit on that, but, um, I think one of the most difficult transitions there are in the, there is in the, excuse me, one of the most difficult things to do in the fire service at all is to transition from firefighter to officer. And the first actor is weird because you're a firefighter. Now you're the officer and leader. So you're still accountable, held to the level of expectations as an officer but you're a firefighter. So today you're the officer and the leader and you're holding the guys accountable, but tomorrow you're back to being one of the guys. Right? So I, I, that's something I've never experienced that. Um, I rode the seat as a young, young firefighter in my department because we used to have two man shift houses. Um, but I was never in the capacity of a full crew where you act as an officer for any long period of time um, beyond nights and weekends. So, what do you, th- what do you, uh, I want to talk about that a little bit. Let's talk about some of the challenges and, you know, I'm sure you probably have some fires where, you know, you could talk about that for some experiences and let's get into it. So it, it is definitely unique about Baltimore. I didn't even know about it until I started working there and came out of the academy, got assigned to eight engine and I did good senior uh senior act man he had between 15 and 20 years in when i got there and uh just a mountain of a man so somebody you looked at and you just wanted to follow uh great reputation and everything so then you start patterning yourselves after your experiences who you see who you meet uh internal and external so we had a good cadre across all four shifts and then finding out that like officers transfer promote or <clears throat> retire so typically that acting man is going to stay a little bit longer so like you need to it's all a relationship thing one 
one day you're in charge, the next day you're back in the back. One night you're in the back, then you're up front in charge. <clears throat> so having that relationship and building that that culture and that respect amongst your peers so that when it's your time to, when you have to act, they're not, it's a little bit of the substitute teachers here, but at the same time, we're not going to make that substitute te teacher send you to the same principal that you'd go to. So the expectations are there, establishing the expectations uh, just on a normal daily routine, whether I was in the back or whether I was up front. It was, okay, this is the expectation. I'm holding myself to it. I'm holding you to it. Uh, and I want you to hold me to it also. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, being able to come in, like we're always going to drill. We're always going to do what, we, what we're supposed to do every day in the city. There's something uh, laid out for us, whether it's building inspections or home visits or vacant surveys. There's something for us to knock out. So whether we're tired or it's hot, it's cold, it's rainy, <clears throat> sorry, the job has to get done. We have to get, get it all handled. So fishing, griping isn't going to do it. So we try to make everything enjoyable and educational. So it's like, okay, we got to go out and do home visits, knock on doors, hang smoke detectors. Okay, well, great. We get to get out in our first due. We get to, instead of just riding through, going to a, going to a run or coming back from a run, we're out on the ground looking at the buildings, looking at building features, getting in these houses to hang smoke detectors, but seeing the layouts. Where are the basement stairs? Is there something a little weird here? What we found is going into these houses on different things, as long as it wasn't an emergency run, we go in and hang out, hang a detector, and it's like a little different layout. <clears throat> Usually if we say something to the uh, to the homeowner or the occupant, hey, do you mind if we take a couple pictures of just this basement door set up? Or, hey, you got a really unique second or third floor usually they're they, oh no no problem at all and or start talking about it uh, so making it <clears throat> having the expectations that are there will help uh the shift go on and then when it's your turn to act like if you say hey we're nope you can't take this run because we're we can't pick up the, the box alarm because we just got tied to a medic run and in the opposite direction, like with this is the day, like we have the first call was the medic run and we have to take that run. Uh, <clears throat> so, or we have to take this transfer and we're across town when the first new box comes out. That's how it is. We're, we're part of a bigger mission. We're part of a bigger cog. Uh, the younger guys with the back step may not like it at the time, but at the same time you sit there and you explain to them why, like, Hey, this is, this is what we're here for. This is how we need to do it following your responsibilities on the fire ground the same way. Uh, <clears throat> one of the things that first lieutenant I had, he was big, like you're on an engine company, you're on an engine company. There's not, you're not going to end up with a hook in your hand or what the case is. Uh, and nine times, a majority of the time I agree with it, but there's, there's the times where it's like, Hey, the, it's a busy day in the city. Units were closed for whatever reasons. Uh, maybe it's just a bigger fire and you end up as a, the single resource in a, in a dwelling and you need to open up. So two of you have, you have between the three people inside. It's like, okay, well, we got the, the hose line, we have the ulcer. Now we need a way to get the ceiling open. 
okay, go get a <clears throat> go get a hook, come back in, start opening the ceiling because that's the only way we're going to get in. But understanding you're tied to that crew and the expectation is you're going to it's whatever it takes for that crew to succeed in its mission. So it just we have detail guys or overtime and you kind of <clears throat> first thing as soon as they come in the door, some crews and some shifts throughout the city, they'll wait for that person to come to somebody and ask, Hey, what do I need to do today? Uh, we'll usually try to grab somebody, especially if it's from not one of the surrounding companies, somebody from across town or wherever else and just let them know, Hey, look, Hey, welcome to <clears throat> you're here for the day or whatever. I'm Roger. Uh, hey, this is what uh, we're expecting. This is, this is how we have this set up. This is how we have that set up. If we get that and you're not going to hit every circumstance you can think of, but you're going to hit a, a few of the, the general, the more basic, the more prevalent occurrences that we may ha might have. Uh, hey, look, if we get your first in fire or we got to lead off, hey, if you grab, we have it set up so you grab a loop and the hydrant connection, you get one entire section. Some companies just throw it up so you got to grab the, just the hydrant connection. Well, that doesn't really help if it's the hydrant's on the other side of the street. So, well, hey, look, you grab this, you got more hose. Okay, we got to run the 400. Here's your position of the thing. So we're expecting you to be here for to do this job. Uh, okay. So getting the getting the clarity out there. Uh, but then every now and then you you do have somebody that wants to challenge you, and it gets challenging on the one on the day that is you're acting, and so and so comes in late or gets arrested for DUI or something. It's like okay, well. <laughs> oh, we got to do paperwork yeah yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> so much for me not being the the paperwork officer i gotta pay that guy now sure so but you have to that's when it's holding yourself accountable and the standard is the same thing like you gotta know the policies just like the, the promoted officers do if not better because you're uh there's times where you're guiding them uh our system set up like you can you can get promoted to lieutenant in five years and uh, typically, your acting per people throughout the city have 10 to 15 years of experience historically. So you might, <laughs> you might be 10 years junior to the, the person riding behind you. So being able to utilize that too, knowing like they, they've been there longer, like they have a lot more experiences in that firehouse maybe than you. So use that knowledge, get them on board Hey, well, tell me about this area. Any special things I need to know? Oh, this one block has sub basements. Like, okay, well, that that's kind of important to know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So if we're going into the basement, like you can still fall through a floor into <laughs> into something. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> so something that doesn't usually happen, or all the uh, this block. <clears throat> I know. Like, other places that I worked or volunteered before Baltimore, area familiarization was really big and learning where the hydrants are. Well, one of the active men that ate engine when I got there told me hydrants are on every corner. Learn the corner that they're not on. That's easier. So <clears throat> it's just a little bit of difference. It's like, okay, well, when there's <laughs> there's more <clears throat> less corners without them than there are with them, it makes it a little bit easier. I'm like, oh, okay. But that could alter your running route. Hey, if we take this block, I know where I'm going, but I'm driving past the block to get there. 
oh, okay. <laughs> Thanks for letting me know before. So I didn't think you were just driving off into the sunset. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think, I'm trying to think how to say this. I think the faces can change, but as long as you have established standards, expectations, your performance will remain the same. Like you will be at that good, you will be at that sharp level because I think, and yeah, and I mean, you, you obviously are going to know this answer. You know, I think when you have an officer that's sharp, or may just be a newer officer. That's that act, that guy that's going to be the first actor. Who I would assume is probably, probably the senior firefighter or pretty close to it. Um, I would imagine you guys would work hand in hand with a lot of stuff. You guys are going to talk about a lot of stuff. You're going to kind of have the the first actor was probably going to, you know, have his pulse on the guys and kind of know what's going on in the firehouse that the officer just doesn't. I mean, he, you know, I I don't know how to say this, but like. There's stuff that does not get on your radar because it should not be on your radar that kind of happens day to day in a firehouse. And I think any officer with any amount of time on and experience as a firefighter, it's best left that way. That makes sense to you. Um, You know, it's that median, it's that buffer in between. Yeah. And I think the uh, Sergeant Major Plumley to Colonel Moore. Sure. Yeah. And that's, (laughs) that's a fantastic fantastic compare uh fantastic example excuse me uh because again you know as you as i said before you know there's stuff that should not get to the officer's level and that's the stuff the first actor is going to handle however there comes that point where the first actor is now in charge and he had he's privy to those things he knows those things you know because he was one of the guys now he's in charge like we talked about and i think a lot of that makes a smooth transition when there's preparation from when he's working with the officer directly um you know, I think as we talked about before, the high stress uh, environments with time sensitive information or time sensitive decisions, decision making um, comes from, like you said, the years of listening to guys with a bunch of time on, especially if you're an officer that you promote young. I promoted very young. I was 28 when I got promoted, 29 when I got promoted. Um, I wasn't even in my 30s yet, not married, no kids, nothing. So I didn't have life experience. And I think when you have guys mm-hmm. such as yourself, 18 years before you're getting promoted and you're a first actor life experience plays in uh, plays a lot into your success your decision making and your frame of mind um when you become an officer right a guy that got promoted in his 20s is much different than a guy that gets promoted in his 40s so i i think there's uh there's an anomaly from time to time but yeah just the sheer life experience sure and uh the career experience uh, yeah. Even if it's you have 15, 10 years at a less than desirable part of your jurisdiction, it's still a decade of experiences. It's a decade of what went right, what went wrong, what could have been improved, or what do you see happen? Uh, where if you're 20 couple years old and only a few years in, then you really haven't seen much yet. Like you're, and you're very reliant on anything and everything that comes up either you're you're more prone to not making a decision or making a decision just based on something that you read in the policies which may be right or we still have a lot of policies written decades ago about things that we don't even have now equipment and, and things that we don't even have 
So is that really relevant anymore? Or you have to rely on calling somebody else every time there's a decision that has to be made. And it's like, hey, Lieutenant, I, I, this is going on. We need to an answer. We need to make a decision. Like, well, um, uh, let me phone a friend. It's like, well, I hope the, hope they answer. Like, we yeah. gotta know now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know, and it's it's all a matter of time, or it's all a matter of experience too. Like, there's there's situations where I feel like if the thing, if that situation was dropped in my lap when I got promoted eight years ago. I would have handled it much different than it when it was dropped in my lap today, right? Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of stuff where I've been like, "Oh shit, I don't know what to do." Oh crap! Uh, I would now it'd be like, "All right, uh, do this, get that started. Let me get a better answer for you. Yeah. We'll walk down this path. We'll see where it goes. Uh-huh. No big deal. We'll handle it." And then off to the side, hit who you a peer or you know whoever, yes. or if yeah. there's something that I mean, and there's things that are just that serious, it goes directly to the top hit that person up. Hey, this is what's up. This is what I did. This is my plan. Here you go. What do you think? Or maybe not. What do you think? But I'll give you an example. I had a situation that um, needed to be handled immediately. This was a, this was a while ago. It wasn't with the people that I work with now. This is a way before I, I started working with the crew I have now. Something came up. I saw it in my mind. I'm like, I need to do something about that. Immediately went out. I addressed the situation, did the supervisor thing, said, Here's the problem. This is what I've done. You need to get over here. And this is what I need from you. And the person that I called was very, very receptive to that. They're very, you know, all right, cool. This is your plan of action. Let's tweak it. You need to do this instead. Here you go. Let's figure it out. And it worked out. It was, I wouldn't say stressful, but it was very, um, as a very, very, very new officer, it was very, un- it was very uh, uncomfortable. But that's your job, right? And I yeah. think it's all in a matter of how you handle it. Like you said, phone a friend. Well, what if we need the answer now? I think that's a big deal. Like if you walk out and you're like, here's the problem. Here's your plan of action. I'll get back to you in a second. Is much different than I don't know, right? Yeah. Because then you start losing support and you start losing mm-hmm. um, trust, trust from the people that are in your command and then the people that are above you. And they may or may not. Uh, trust you to handle other situations, which can bleed over into things such as um, mm-hmm. high acuity uh, calls, um, fires that they need it done right the very first time immediately, not someone that's indecisive or un or, um, who's uh, has no confidence, lacks confidence, unconfident. What is that word? And In- inconfident. Inconfident. Unconfident. No con. Oh, anyway. No they need the guy that can do it, get it done the first time, and has the confidence to yeah. do it. Not someone that's insecure. That's the word. Insecurity. They don't need the insecure uh, uh, officer. They need somebody to walk in and, and kick ass. So can you think of um, – I mean off the top of your head, can you think of any fires that you were the first actor that kind of really – it really pushed on you where you had to really um, step it up? As far as like, to, just to in general, in there, as, as a leadership thing, where or, so <clears throat> I've been fortunate. Like the majority of all the guys that uh, I had eight engine, like we're we're the the go getter. So it's usually you don't have to push at all. You have to control the reins a little bit. So and there's definitely been times where 
I won't say people got the blinders, but it's like your your role as that officer is looking out for them. So their job's to put the fire out. So they might miss a little something here or there that you see or that you pick up on. So controlling that, that hose line movement, making sure we're not getting ahead of ourselves. We're actually getting extinguishment and not knocked down. So that's one of the biggest things being also some people it's just go 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 it's like okay hold on where this is there's a method to this we're, we're going front to back on this floor then we're going to go up uh so where sometimes it's like okay well i just the fire's on the second floor roger the fire's up there like okay i got it just hold on one second let me take a peek at the first floor and make sure it's not on fire sure. and uh it's too many times we've read reports and or know people involved in incidents like that so we uh so you just slow them down they, they might be moving a little bit uh too quickly so you just slow them down and usually there's no con every now and again there might be there's we have a lot of competition in our part of the city and that competition helps breed better uh companies for the most part so knowing that you got to be on your a game is uh like makes you want to have to get better so whereas other parts is people are on their C game. So what being around everybody for a typical box for us, everybody's there within 30 seconds of each other. And everybody, everybody's goal is to be the, the people that put it out. So making sure you stretch right and controlling it from the time you get there till it's extinguished. Uh, you see your pipe man running the wrong way around a tree yelling at getting their attention quick enough that they can correct it uh making sure they're getting into the right house uh, numerous times we'll have <laughs> we'll have just smoke showing on the front from a couple of dwellings it's our bread and butter's row homes two and three story row homes so if you got smoke showing out of a couple of them and it's not really obvious you're kind of waiting for the, the truck to get in there is uh okay what what kind of cues do you have? What do you have? Sometimes there's been a couple of times where it's just a guessing game and you might guess right, you might guess wrong, but then looking back on it, okay, what could I have done to to help the, my situation here and make the right decision? So, oh, it's the end of the group. Let me run around back on my own instead of relying on somebody back there telling me what it is. Do I have time to just run, take a peek, do my own 360, get back? Okay, now I'm more informed. So having that expectation that, uh, to know that you're not something like, Hey, you, you're staying on the stoop. You're like, you're staying out front. I'll be right back. That then you come back around and say they walked it, went ahead and deployed inside. It's like, nah, hold on. That's not, uh, that's not what our expectation was. That's, uh, so you need to hold up. <clears throat> so but fortunately, usually you just have to, kind of keep the reins on them more than you have to push them. But from time to time, it's direct them the right way. Like, hey, hold on, you, you missed a room back here. Come on back a little bit. Uh, especially younger guys or younger guys to your company. Like, they want to prove themselves. They want to show that they belong and they can do the job. So they might be moving quickly, trying to get every inch. And it's just like, let the water work, slow down. And afterwards, you talk to them, it's like, did you notice it was hard for you to get hosed a couple times? Like, yeah. Okay, well, how many times have you been in a fire and, like, you've been trying to yell at your linemen to uh, slow down or something? They're not hearing you. So no. I found out if I just don't give them hose, 
they stop and they turn around and then I have their attention. So stop giving them that hose, direct them. It's like, yeah, you, you needed to flow a little bit more water into that room. Oh, okay. Okay. And following up with that conversation, not just letting it go. I think sure. too many times nowadays people just let things go. It's like, well, they'll learn from it. Well, what are they going to learn from it? They're going to learn that, oh, well, if we go upstairs, Roger's not going to pull hose. No, not exactly the case. If I'm going too quick and I can't get line, usually Roger feeds a lot of hose, but it's slowed down now. Okay, something's wrong. It may not be wrong, wrong. It just might be, what am I missing? Yeah. So. Yeah, and that's kind of what I was getting at with the challenges, and, and I'm kind of glad you said it that way. You know, I, I didn't think, I, just to clarify, I didn't think that, like, mm-hmm. you had underperformed people. But I, I feel oh, no, like no, no. I know you, Dennis. <laughs> well, <I don't> <laughs> we wow, have no. some in the city. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I just I like to clarify my intent. Um, but I do think that even at the higher level, higher performing teams as an officer or we'll say a leader, because you're first, you can be first acting. I think it's difficult. I think it's more difficult with them, with guys like that, than it is guys that don't want to do shit. Because the guys mm-hmm. that don't want to do shit are probably not going to fight you on much, right? Or they may, but it's much yeah. different because what I've learned is there's people out there that just don't know any better because they just didn't care. No one taught them, you know, whatever the reason is, is much different than guys that want to be there, know what they're doing. They're good at what they're doing, and they are going to know if you're full of shit or not, right? Not that you're full of shit, but they're going to know if you're trying to <laughs> bullshit them. Right. They're going to, yeah. they're going to be able to call yeah. you out and see you a mile away. And, you know, I think it's, it's difficult to lead people that are, are not difficult. It's challenging because you get, you get become very uncomfortable leading people that are sharp and high performing when they know what they're doing, because in your mind, hopefully in your mind, you know, you know, you have to step up and, ha- you know, have your, a game on and when you're at that level and you have the group of people consistently who are sharp i think the challenges are there or challenges don't change or the the challenges remain the same the people change and the scenarios are different right so when you have people that are underperformers now you got to push 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 like you said when you have guys that are high performers they're going to want to push the envelope be aggressive find work be the ones to put out every single fire even if they're not supposed to because of their assignments they're going to want to flock to that. Um, they're going to have the operational discipline to do what they want to do. However, you know, as, you know, as well as I do, it's much, much easier to yoke the reins back than have to force them down a hallway or force them into whatever mm-hmm. it is. And I think that brings its own level because if you don't have the competence or confidence to be at that level that they're performing at, you're not going to know any better than to stop them. And the hardest part about people like that is telling them no. Yeah. Right. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, you know, it's, it's tough and, you know, they bring up good points and I don't know if you feel this way sometimes, but there's been times where I'll tell somebody no and they're like, well, why not? And then in my mind, I'm like, yeah, why not? I don't, <laughs> fuck. I mean, I'll never say that, but like, yeah, but you're trying to scramble to figure out, okay, why did I say, no? wait, why uh, not? Cause it actually does make sense. I know I shouldn't do this. Mm-hmm. And that brings me to my next point is your instincts, right? Your instincts are huge. you got to trust your instincts. Um, I want to switch foot a little bit from what we were just talking mm-hmm. about into instincts. I, I've, I can't tell you how many times, and this happened fairly recently, where I had scenarios 
I had situations dropped into my lap and I had less than a second to make a decision. And my gut was telling me for like a second or two, just do this, do this, do this. And I've followed that every time, every time I've ever followed it, I've never had a problem. When I took a second said, eh, I shouldn't do that. I should try this. I failed miserably. And I think there's something to be said about that because when you trust your instincts and it ties back into what we were talking about, the challenges of, you know, being an officer and then being a guy that's typically on the back step with a lot of time on, then jumps into the front seat, the instincts are still there. And those instincts are developed from being a firefighter and your foundation of, you know, what you learned as a rookie and, and your time coming up. Um, you know, in, instinct, I think instincts are everything. I think instincts take over uh, at that subconscious level when, you know, your training takes over. You know, I mean, because you, know you know as well as I do, it's not, you're not going to rise to the occasion. You're going to fall to your training, right? <laughs> yes. You're not Dwight from the office. The, the surge of fear and adrenaline <laughs> will not sharpen your decision making. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it just doesn't work that no. way. Um, no. You know, and, and I think with time and preparation is when those um, time preparation experiences, when, the, when those instincts develop. You have to have uh, instincts and everybody has some degree of instincts. It's just what their everybody's are a little bit different. Um, and as you get more experience and more time and those in- instincts can get more and more solid. But what, uh, what I found is the gut is usually right. Uh, and then you kind of need to have that person behind you, like having somebody with you, uh, whether it's physically or just mentally, like, uh, there's a couple officers at work where it's like, that's the, we all talk. It's like, that's the guy I want behind me or whatever. It just kind of more or less, whether he's actually act- actively there with his hand on your shoulder, like you can do this, go ahead and go. Or if it's just the, uh, like you, you need to, uh, you need that person, that, that voice in there, like, okay, yeah, I've done this before. We're good. Uh, as friend Tim Klepp put it when I was talking to him about part of this class, this lecture, uh, said, you got to control the doubt. So, and with that is like, okay, hey, <clears throat> can we make this push? Is it you're running everything a uh, hundred miles per hour through your head? Like I've been here before. Like we're gonna take our time. We're gonna push down this hallway. We're we're gonna exchange. We can do this. We're, and sometimes they also like you're running this through your head, but you need to vo- verbalize it to that guy in front of that guy or girl in front of you. Like hey, you're good. I'm right here. Keep going. O- open the pipe. Leave it open. Let it work. We're doing. We can make this room. Uh, with the hood, <clears throat> or if you're on the truck, same thing. Like hey, we. This, this window doesn't look real good, but we can get in there and we can get that door shut. Then we can search the room. We'll be okay. It might be, it's going to be hot for a second, but we got this. Uh, so building that, uh, having those people to control that doubt to uh, help instill those instincts. And the next time when you get it, maybe it's a couple years later, maybe it's you've been promoted and now you're the person that has, has to do it. It's like, okay, Hey, I remember when, uh, Tent Nasty was behind. We had this fire, and it, yeah, I need to. Okay, we got this. We, we can do this. Uh, <clears throat> I always use talking about gut and instinct as uh, one of uh, Hal Moore's lines, one of his leadership principles uh, about doubt. Like it's uh, when he refined some of his principles and all, and <clears throat> his son kind of helped with it too. But when uh, 
more or less comes down to if there's a doubt in your mind, there's no doubt at all, whether that's for a decision to do something or a decision not to do something. Maybe it's the decision like, uh, I don't know if we should go into this. Like, you know your time, your experience, and what you're looking at, there's a reason for it, so make that decision. Uh, or if it's a decision, hey, we definitely need to do this. There's <clears throat> This place is really on fire, but all the calls are saying there's somebody standing there going, that room, there's somebody in there. Like, okay, we got th this is when we got to make that decision and put it on our mind to, to at least get in that room as best as we can to do that search to um, put it out or to get the victim out. Um, but those are those in instant calls that you reach down into your gut and more times than not, your gut's going to be right. Um, so especially the longer and more time you get in. As long as, and we've all heard the quote that you have 30 years of experience or one year experience 30 times over. So you got to continue to educate yourself, read the studies, read, listen to podcast, read uh, articles, uh, and network and talk to people throughout your jurisdiction, other jurisdictions, what's going on and what are their experiences. You can't, uh, experiences and, uh, my experiences aren't your experiences, but I can certainly share my experiences with you and help for <clears throat> to mold yours just the same as you can do mine. The experiences you've had, we can talk. It's like, oh, okay, hey, now I've formed this mental slide and I can go back to it quickly if I've already established that mental slide. I've already mentally prepped for it. Uh, that makes sense. Sure. You know, and I think... You brought up you brought up some really good points, and and I think something that I learned from uh, from an officer who uh, had a big impact on me was you know one of the best things you can do is to keep everything simple. When you keep things simple and in the most basic level, there's less variables that you can just screw it up, right? So you know if you need to run a four hundred to the rear and you can hop three fences and run through this ditch and you know, you should probably have about 150 feet of hose at the back of the house. I mean, yeah, you could do that. Or you could just lay out this 800 foot of line and then pull a 200 and you have 100 feet with you. Like, mm -hmm. you, you know what I mean? I mean, all that sexy stuff yeah. is cool and all, and it looks good and it's great for, you know, whatever. And it's very technical and it's fantastic. But there's so much shit that can just go wrong. If I can just lay out a shitload of hose. And then pull a long ass line and I'm good and I don't have to do any of that extra crap. I'm just driving in a straight line. I'm pulling in a straight line. Mm -hmm. Why overcomplicate something that you don't need to overcomplicate? And the funny part is, and this is just, I'm just saying this part in jest. Now you got to drag all the shit back through. But, uh, okay. <laughs> um, but, but what, uh, what he, what he got What the point that he really made to me and, and he's the guy's still actually active in the department. I'm going to, I'm not, I don't want to say his name, but he, he's, he's very uh -huh. sharp. He's had a, a tremendous uh, impact on me and my career, especially as an officer, um, when I really needed to straighten myself out. And, and I think he knows who he is. So if he's listening, um, but keep it That's simple, good. slow it down and take a breath. There's, he said, you know, and the funny part was, it was very interesting the way he said it. And I'm probably going to screw this up, but, um, there's literally nothing going on, nothing. And I mean, it could happen, but the likelihood of it is very slim where you can't just take a breath, 
and then make a decision because that time, just a simple, just a quick, <sighs> all right, can get you, can clear your mind. It, it, it can, you can, you can have mental clarity and you have to do that as the officer. You can't get sucked into things because once you get sucked into things and you start working between your two hands, now you lose everything. And that's not just, that's not just in the firehouse. That's, that's outside of the firehouse in, in the, you know, cause we're only 10% we're on the calls. Right. The other 90 percent, we're dealing with people, you know, taking that breath to give yourself the clarity to see the big picture. Is is incredibly important, you, you know, it, it's. It gives you the second there's more to make. Go ahead. No, 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 go, keep going. I was going to say it gives you that second to have that clarity and that small second in time to get clarity, to reset your bearings, to get your bearings, to slow everything down a little bit will have a ripple effect that will create a successful environment. Whereas if you don't slow down, you get drawn in, those effects can be um, catastrophic in, in nature. And it's all down to that minute second. You know, I mean, if you, if you don't take a second and, and, and see the big picture, I mean, what's, you're not going to be able to, control the control the situation i'm getting screwed up on what i'm trying to say but i think you understand what i'm getting <laughs> now nah, I'm, I'm tracking i went yeah it's uh so that old lieutenant i have when he retired he had 43 years in and up until the end he would always talk about once you're getting within the block the fire block like just slow down take that breath uh and there's more and more coming out and a lot of people going down the rabbit holes on breath work and what it how it truly affects you physiologically and the benefits of it and uh but i learned like that breath is tremendous whether it's pulling into the block looking up over the buildings like tim Plett talks about a lot is uh you you look over the buildings you're taking it all in you take that deep breath hold it for a second exhale slowly before you key the mic or you start making your decisions uh even i started doing it as a nozzleman before i put my mask on Take a deep breath, and as I'm masking up, that's when I'm letting it out, and we're, uh, and it just brings everything down. It's calming. It's, uh, I think the the younger and newer you are, the less experience. Like we want to slow things down, and the younger you are, like you're going to physically have to slow things down. Now everything else is still moving 100 miles per hour around you, but you're trying to slow down. And then once you get the time and experience and everything on hopefully you'll get to the point where the goal should be that you're slowing things down, but everything's still happening as quickly and as fast as it is. You're just, you're not physically or literally slowing it down, but you're, you're able to slow everything down. And you read some of the books about special operations units and combat and how the clarity that they've had and how they can remember the individual gunshots or, and everything that's occurring uh and that, that takes the reps the sets and the reps the crawl walk run uh getting through everything creating the playbooks the communication the implicit communication with your crew and just all that goes in to being able to try to focus and take it all in slowing the scene down without physically slowing down and uh but that takes a lot of mastery to get to that point and the younger you are in it, then you might need to physically slow down. I love simple, like you said. 
I'll drop a thousand feet of hose if it means I can pull a <laughs> uh, yeah. hundred and fifty foot pre-connect as opposed to jumping eight fences. But we still need the skill set of a uh, 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 couple of us like calling it in uh, Baltimore the Alley Olympics, whereas you're running down a little walking alley, then you got to jump through uh, over top of a pile of mattresses and go over a fence and pass the line a couple times off, then you're end up going in over a ladder or something. Sure. So you still need those skill sets. At the same time, the better skill set is realize when when that's necessary versus, okay, we, we can lay out a little bit more hose and uh, get a little bit closer and it'll be a lot easier. <clears throat> uh, yeah. I mean, the quickest point to two, uh, the, what is it? The quickest time to two points or I forget how to say that as a, as a straight line. Right. So why, yes. why do all those, you know, why go over the river and through the woods to grandma's house when you could just drive <laughs> to her front door? Um, right. Yeah. It, it, I think it's all a matter of smooth, of being smooth, right? Smooth is fast. Mm -hmm. And I don't quote me on the exact numbers because I'm probably going to get them wrong. But when a pitcher throws a baseball, right? So let's say, I don't know. Pick any pitcher that you want. Max Scherzer throws a fastball at 100 miles an hour, right? He throws a fastball, and he's going to throw it at Fernando Tatis, who's probably one of the best batters there is. He plays for San Diego, right? When, he, when Tatis swings that bat from when it leaves Scherzer's hand to hit for Tatis to hit it, I think it's less than a – I mean, it's less than a second for him to swing the bat. Right. And that's at that that's at the major league level. You know, these guys are throwing 100, 101 and their exit velocity from the ball connecting to the bat, sending it to, you know, home runs. Hopefully um, they have exit velocities of over 100 miles an hour, 115, 120 miles an hour. I think somebody just hit the other day was 120 miles an hour exit velocity. But when they swing those bats in that fraction of a time, in that fraction of time, they're not flailing everything if you ever watch them slow down a bat a swing because of how fast this swing is it's very smooth like he's ready for it here it comes and he swings he, he doesn't swing faster he doesn't swing super hard he doesn't do a cut where he falls over it's smooth precise and it's consistent even though you can miss seven out of ten times and still be a professional baseball player but that's besides the point <laughs> <laughs> the point that the point that i'm making is the point that the similarities that I'm drawing <laughs> is um, smooth is fast, right? Fraction of a second to make a decision, fraction of a second swing a uh, swing a swing a bat, right? Any home run can be a walk off. Any hit can be a walk off. You can hit a grand slam, and it's all down to those fractions of the seconds. And I think this is this is fairly similar. You know, I mean, when you're smooth, you're controlled. You you have intent. You know exactly what you're doing. You know what your goal is. You know how to get there. You've trained for it. You know um, what your your officer wants. The, the expectations are there. You know your job on the engine. You know you, once you know all those things, and everyone does that at their level. The officer's smooth. He knows what he's doing. He's good. Driver's smooth. He knows what he's doing. He's good. Uh, the lineman, uh, the guy riding backup or uh, lead off. I think you said if everyone knows their job. It's just like an orchestra, and as the officer, all you do is conduct, right? Um, one of the things that I learned as an officer, and this took me a long time to really, I guess, embrace and put into practice, and I think I've only really started to grasp it over the last, like, two years, is uh, you turn the block, put your window down, take a breath of fresh air. 
human nature. A breath of fresh air just makes everybody feel better, right? Put that window down. Now you can, you have your sense of smell. Um, I mean, that could be right or wrong. I mean, I'm not going to say you can smell a fire, but I mean, you're probably going to smell it if it's on fire. You can hear other <laughs> units coming, right? Mm-hmm. You, you just, you get, you can feel the environment. I, I think you get more connected with the, with the environment when you turn the block and you have your window down and you take a breath, you get some fresh air, you know, you're listening to the radio and you just, to me, I think it just, again, slows everything down and that, and then that big belly breath just really just sets you up for success. Um, you know, I think, so we do 360s. I don't know if you guys do or not. I'm assuming you do. I think that's kind of uh, pretty kinda. close to a national standard. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's just it's interesting with the blocks of uh, row homes. If so you can. Our 360 yeah. that point is wait, uh, wait for, if, sort of like our policy last year changed to uh, include that if, uh, if it's a, if you're not able to do a 360, like a single family or end of the group row home or whatever, it's in the middle of the block or whatever, then you need to wait for the second due engine or any unit to get to the rear to give that side try, like to count as to be sure. the 360. It's to clear the fire at the lowest level. Yep. So, yep. and that's another thing, like where I, where I work, it's a lot, a lot, a lot of single family houses that are fairly simple to knock a 360. Like you could... You don't even have to run. You could just move with a purpose, which you should do. Yeah. Move with a purpose, and it gives you time. And what I've learned is, depending on how you work with your guys, as I'm coming around from the 360, they're getting the, the hose line flaked out, starting to mask mm-hmm. up, listening for me to say the fire's cl- clear at the lowest level. Mm-hmm. And I can take a breath, take one last look, and go, all right, cool. Uh, it's I think it's going to be second floor, first floor, this quad, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever. A, Second floor should be in that Bravo quad or hey, it should be wherever. You get to take another breath, take a look around, double check, and then get your, yourself together and, and get masked up. And none of that is draw, a drawn out time frame. I mean, those are seconds is what I'm getting at, right? Yes. But it's smooth. You're still slowing yourself down. And, and I don't think this is anything I've ever really asked anybody. But what I've – with my eyes, I've experienced and, and what I've seen is – if I take a deep breath and I find myself talking calmer, I can see people calm as well. Does that make sense? I, I don't know if yeah. that if, if what I'm saying makes sense, but like with my eyes, I've seen them. Hey, all right, it's going to be in the back, and you can see them starting to. They're kind of like moving, working quick, working quick. And as you like talk with that calm voice, this is what we're doing. This is where we're going. This is the plan. Boom, 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 boom. You can see them. Everything kind of loosen up and and not not so tense. Yeah, if uh, the calming voice, uh, I've had some friends that have went through the, down the rabbit hole on the stress inoculation and everything, and I went down a little bit. And one friend of Fairfax was talking about like just the the, the calming voice and like a, a hand on your shoulder or whatever, how it can physiologically start bringing you down uh, and excitement. Sorry, excitement. So. The same thing if uh, I know we've all heard the the old adage uh, as the first line goes so to, so goes the fire Andy Fredericks and to a degree I, I believe that's right but more so it's uh, what I've seen detrimentally is how those first couple officers on the scene just communicate if they're yelling on the radio and screaming on the radio like it ends up becoming more chaotic and people get spun up the cr- their crews other arriving crews whereas you have that officer on the radio that's just 
calm, cool collective, then everybody's just, everybody's doing their job. Everybody's smooth. So translating to fast, but everything, the, the anxiety comes down, the excitement comes down and everybody has a clearer hit on their shoulder. Um, whereas you, you get a chief officer that starts spinning up and is just kind of all over the place with excitement, then typically those fires start going out of control and it's then you have the uh, a very similar fire and intensity and volume and it's somebody else and just the voice on the radio makes it go smoother and it's uh just and that calming effect is true it's real yeah and you know the other there's also something to be said and i've and i've seen this i've experienced this as well where you know i, I wouldn't say i was getting a little discombobulated uh, not discombobulated where I was kind of getting a little, uh, I could feel myself getting a little spun up where I'm like, all right, I need to calm down a little bit or, Hey, look, I need to, I need to take a step. I need to take a breath for a minute because I'm getting ahead of myself. Like I was able to catch it. And what, what I've observed is, and, and this as an officer watching everybody else in my mind, I'm going a thousand miles an hour. I watch mm -hmm. everybody else smooth and calm. Hey, LT, I'm, I got my line here. I'm going to flake out. Mm -hmm. Or you look at him and you see them just cool as a cucumber. And then you're able to, in your mind, take a breath. All right, look, we're going to be good. All right, cool. Let's get it. Here it is. Here's the fire, you know, whatever. I, I think that that crew sets a, it takes a big part in setting the tone for that as well. And, you know, you can have a good officer, but then a crew that um, they're falling. They don't know what line to pull. They mm -hmm. pull the line. The line's now wrapped around their Scott cylinder or Air cylinder, I guess I shouldn't say Scott. But yeah, I air cylinder, <laughs> and they're tripping up. Who doesn't use Scott? Everybody uses Scott. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Um, but uh, <laughs> exactly. Or they, you know, they pull a line, the line's short, and they just drop it, and they don't know what to do because they can't make their own mm -hmm. decisions, and you know those kind of things. I, I think, you know, you could have the best officer in the world, and then a crew that doesn't know what they're doing. And that can affect the outcome, right? Because that officer and, could be sharp and, and then, good to go and squared away. And but then the execution almost, of what needs to take place doesn't happen. Or the retrospect or the same thing of crews carrying their officers, you know. But I think collectively, if the crew has chemistry, they 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 invested time in themselves to prepare, as we've talked about earlier today, and everything goes smooth, I think that first engine can set the tone, you, you know, especially if they're yeah. doing consistently on calls, they're in the right place every time, regardless of what their due is, whether they want to be there or not, their job is third due today, they're third due and they do the best job they can. They're first due tomorrow and they do fantastic. They're writ and they're sitting in writ where the writ goes with their own line, all their equipment, their gear, their gear on properly, all their stuff, snap, snapped, lights, everything. They got everything ready to go. I think that sets the tone in itself as well. I've seen it both ways. I've seen good officers go be on companies that, and it's one thing if they're on overtime, like you can't change the world in 10 hours or sure. 14 hours or 24 hours. Uh, so that's probably not going to happen, but I've seen good guys, good officers assigned to crews that are a less than desirable or whatnot. And I've seen it go both ways where those those good officers have been able to 
to raise the bar a little bit on that crew to now they're dependable. They're still may not be the, the overachieving group that we're used to, but they, they're dependable. They, they're timely. They're, they're, they got some pep in their step now. But then I've also seen that same good officer that the crew has the potential, but they just rely on themselves. Well, I'm good. So that's going to translate to them being good. And eh, not so much. I've also seen the, the officer where they've tried, they've tried everything. They, they've tried every lesson you can read about or go to try. And that crew just isn't going to change. So it's uh, trying to figure out what you have and how you can do it. I know personally, like I wouldn't, <clears throat> I wouldn't be who I was or whatnot if I didn't at least try. Sure. Uh, so, and then at some point, uh, and all the leadership stuff you can read, at some point you just have to cut your losses. And unfortunately, sometimes that we can uh, we can get a transfer out somewhere else, or sometimes we're just stuck for a little while. Uh, but you can't drive yourself crazy every day trying to improve people that don't want to improve. Uh, but yeah. as long as you know you've given it the the best effort you can, and like we talked about before, like document it. Maybe maybe you can do something that way. Maybe you can do your performance and plans, and you, you can show like you, you've tried. Uh, it's just some people aren't cut out for it, but you got at least put forth that uh, that effort at the beginning, and maybe you can find some some way that hits home that gets them motivated and instills the discipline on uh on them to that they want to be better that they want to do their job and reasons for it. Yeah. I mean, there's that old saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. And, and, you know, unfortunately there's people out there that no matter how much you Mm want to lead, no matter how much (laughs) you care, no matter how, you know, what are are the other ones, this, how much of a servant leadership leader you are, no Mm -hmm. matter how sharp they just don't give a shit and you know what they're not gonna it's just it's just like how how you treat people you could be nice to someone and you could you could try to be friendly with them and communicate with them and they're just not having it and then you need to cut your loss because it's just not i don't say not your job it's not fair to you to make people return Mm -hmm. the effort right because if you're hyper focused and they're doing nothing they don't care. Like, why, why are you there? You, you need to have more respect for yourself as a leader to know when to, like you said, cut ties. And, and I think another aspect of that too is, you know, if you continuously, it's like dating somebody that doesn't give a shit about you and they're not returning <laughs> the amount mm-hmm. of effort you're putting into the relationship, right? Well, yeah. everyone else is going to see that too. Not that you should care what other people think. But in the same token, as a, in leadership and as an officer, you should, because it's not always—it's not about what you preach; it's what you tolerate. And if you're allowing somebody yeah. to treat you like that, other people are going to see that, and they could lose respect for you. They could yeah. say, "Well, wait a minute, why am I doing this, that, or the other if that guy is able to do that? Well, I'm, I'm just going to do that too. Well, why is he yeah, holding I'm me accountable, but he doesn't hold him accountable? Yep. Y- you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Precedence has been set. Yeah. The presence has been set. The bar has been set. So, you know, 
you, you gotta, you gotta hold people accountable and, and you gotta know when to cut your ties. You gotta know, I don't want to say who's worth your time, but you have to know what's worth your time and what's not, because ultimately at the end of the day, you know, I think the right people, when you grasp them or, you know, your leadership, when it grasps them, you're going to get a return that's, you know, unlike anything else in the world, you're going to have guys that are going to want to follow you. They're going to, they're going to go anywhere, anywhere with you, you know, and then there's guys that people probably won't follow in the water, I would think. And, and that ties into that whole um, personal power versus professional power. I think that's a situation where, you know, you want, you want people to do it. Yes. Because you're the officer and you're like, Hey, go mop, you know, we need to mop the floors. Well, they're doing it at 9am because they know Roger, the Lieutenant wants to get all this knocked out during the day, because the quicker we get all this knocked out done, right. Done right. The first time we have other things we can do for the day and we have some more time to ourselves. That's how Roger likes it. I really respect Roger. I want to do it the same way he does. I want to do it this way for him rather than Lieutenant Bill. They're like, well, I'm not doing the floors until he tells me to do them. Like, you know what I mean? That's the difference. And I think that's what gives you the edge. And I think when you're able to command respect and command followership through your actions rather than demand it through your rank, I think that's when you become that um, strong leader that people want to follow you anywhere. Yeah, it's uh... – <laughs> The ideal situation is that you don't have to give direct orders all the time. And if you're giving direct orders all the time and trying to force that, uh, force that on people, then you, you don't have the buy-in. You don't have that strong relationship. You don't have the mutual respect, and, and culture's not there. It's like, hey, Grant, there, there's times when you're going to have to, and uh, but a lot of times, especially like you said, ninety percent of the times in the firehouse or not on emergency incidents so those are the times that the buy-in is really there i shouldn't have have to sell everything for you like it's like hey we gotta go knock this out like this needs to get done hey the, the captain uh gave us this uh this duty to do so let's uh let's do as best as we can and let's knock it out uh admiral craven's book uh sometimes you just gotta build the best damn uh frog float there is nice that's a good book. Yes, that was, that, that was a that was a really good, that was a, the wisdom it, of Bullfrog. It was a good audible cool. too, listening to him. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely, and and you know, I think, I think that's just the way it is. I think if you take the situation you have at hand and you make it the absolute best that you can, and you give it one hundred and ten percent, you know, it's. I think you're gonna have it's gonna have more impact, especially under those that uh those that follow you and and, and those that uh are in your command. And, um, and explain to them why. Like why you did such a good job at that frog float or whatever the sure. case is. And uh, I've learned like the younger people are inexperienced. Like what is a good thing? Like, or what and how? Like, hey, we're pulling this line. This is how to pull it. But then once a little bit goes or and certain, so then you teach the whys. And then that's what really concretes that shift and that mentality is once everybody's on board with the why and the, the, the commander intent, if you will, then in the mission, like they're, they understand it's like, okay, well, that's why we need to do it. Uh, hey, then, then you start having people come up with other ideas on how we can accomplish it. Like, Hey, you said we got to do this because this, like, 
what if we do it this way? Then we can knock out all three things at the same time. Huh, that's a good idea. Let's try it. Sure. And, you know, to tie, to tie everything together, which is actually kind of funny, um, you talked about the uh, frog float for the, uh, for the parade from the book. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was a young officer, frustrated, thought he was, I think he was an ensign. I don't remember the exact rank. Yeah, um, and uh, that's the first lev- first officer rank I think you can get. I don't know. But whatever it was, he was brand new officer, brand new in the teams and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, he was thought he was doing a really good job, was getting ready, thought he was going to have his you know time to shine, a real world mission and all that. And they gave him a float to build. And he was discouraged. He was upset. He was in the locker room. And who did he run into? Do you remember? Bill Master Chief. An old, yeah, an old, old, yeah. old master chief, Cross right? So a senior enlisted yeah. guy, a guy not an officer. He's just, I would say he's one of the guys because he's just a regular, you know, regular enlisted um, uh, SEAL. And he embarked tremendous wisdom on him of, well, then you need to build the best damn float. And basically the, the whole point of what he was making was you can't choose the card that you're dealt, but what you can choose is your attitude and how you react to it and the manner in which you um, execute it. So kind of uh, full circle here. I, I think, you know, we're hitting that one and a half hour mark. I think this is a good place to, uh, a good place to stop. Um, you know, you guys got to remember out here that, you know, things aren't always going to go the way we plan. Uh, you know, things aren't always going to be perfect. And there's not a lot of things in the world that you can control, but you can control your attitude and how you handle it. Um, you know, Roger, thank you for coming on. Uh, is there anything else that we missed or anything else you want to talk about real quick before we get going? No, thanks for having me, Mike. Uh, appreciate it. And uh, sorry, the whole presentation went low, so you can uh, take a look at that beforehand. Sure. We'll talk about that some other time for coffee or something. Yeah, yeah, no, that sounds yeah, good. We'll, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's some dynamite stuff that I think you'd love, like, but uh, yeah, that's uh, just everybody goes and does classes on engine truck or whatever, or the same thing with the equipment. Like, it's it's the upfront investment and it's the mindset, it's, it's going through everything beforehand, and uh, that really will make you, uh, you and your crew shine and the uh. There's people at work that they, they're lucky enough. They, they get into the similar spot that I have and they don't do anything with it. They're just, they just exist, which uh, it's a very powerful spot. It just uh, for us is sometimes more powerful than actual officer promotion because you're there all the time. You're uh, so, and it's the people that you've been around for quite a while and the company that you've been in quite a while. So take advantage of it, use it, learn it. Uh, and, as you promote up, use all those experiences that you have for, for good and teaching. And like we talked about, talk about the failures, talk about the short shortcomings and all that. That's what uh, really got to concrete people's experiences uh, and start building some gut instincts. Sounds good. Embr- embrace the shortcomings. Don't dwell on them. Embrace them. Um, you know, I don't care how long you've been doing this. I don't care where you work or who you work for or what your name is. I don't care who you are. Everyone has just royally screwed something up. They've, they've had fires that just went wrong. That didn't, you know, that they would 
<laughs> they would like to have that one back. I know I sure have, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yep. And you're laughing. I'm sure you have too. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, but right. we all do. It, you know, and that's the other thing too, is I've learned is people either have them or they're lying. That's just the, if they have any amount of time yep. on, they've either had them or they're lying about it. Or, well, I guess I didn't even think about this, or they may just be oblivious and not realize it. But either way. Yeah, that is possible. Yeah. Yeah, either way. It's like a um, bad it's like a bad basement fire. People that say they want a basement fire haven't had one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I, I'm yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's that's uh that's good. Um so either way, or uh, the big takeaway here, everybody, is you know the basics will always prevail. You have to be brilliant in the basics. The, the engine sets the tone. The first arriving crew sets the tone. Um, and that tone starts before the call. The tone starts in the firehouse with how you carry yourself on a day-to-day -day basis, your humility, um, your coachability. Uh, and then on the other side of the flip side of that is uh, leadership. It's going to rely on um, that strong officer, uh, strong informal leadership, in Roger's case, the strong uh, first actor. So, Roger, don't go anywhere. I'm going to close this out real quick. Um, okay. Everybody, thank you for your time. Thanks for listening. Tip the spirit of leadership. Be present. Be yourself. Be unstoppable. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening. we got more episodes in the coming weeks. Stay tuned. Enjoy your day. <laughs>